beyond the curse, beyond the curse. And here's, a, here's an interesting question, and, and it's a rhetorical question, so you don't have to answer out loud. Um, can Christians be under a curse? And now, believe it or not, there, there is some latitude or debate about this. I mean, some people think uh, Christians can be under some kind of curse. It, this, this question reminded me of something that happened uh, many years ago, early on in my marriage. Uh, we had some friends of ours who were another young couple, and they were just living for the Lord, and just everything looked really great for their life. But the husband began to act differently, and eventually it was discovered um, that he was living in an immoral lifestyle, was back involved in drugs again, and was um, sexually immoral and not being faithful to the covenant. And we, we were just all so shocked that this was the outcome. Um, it wasn't the outcome, I guess, at the end, but it was the present state that he was in. Uh, because it was like his whole personality changed. And everybody was like, how did this happen? And why did this happen? And there was a whole lot of just wondering about what could have occurred. And, 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 and out of love and out of just this kind of wondering of, of, of trying to make sense of it all, someone discovered that he had been overseas to another continent and he had returned some kind of uh, trinket that he liked and he had put it on his, on his desk, uh, excuse me, on his, uh, in, in their bedroom and it was just kind of there and displayed. And so the question, and it became a legitimate question to a lot of people in my circle, um, is um, he under some kind of curse from this object? And, and so, you know, a prayer group started talking about going over there and praying over the house. And, you know, I believe in the demonic, and, and I do believe in that. But in that situation, you know what I think happened? I think that he just liked to sin, you know, and he just chose to sin. He chose not to follow scripture, not to keep his covenant. Uh, chose to start hanging around people who had bad character and, 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 you know, corrupted his morals. And it wasn't a trinket and curse. It was a different kind of curse, a curse of sin. And, and so a lot of times we do that. We, we want to think that there's some kind of power over us and we give more power to that than that of Jesus. And so here in the scripture in Galatians, you're going to see clearly the power of Jesus over curses. And I just want to say, Right now, I just want to say emphatically that you are free to live a sinless life through Jesus, a, a life of morality, a life of ethics, and, and you're free to live that life. Nothing, no power is more powerful than the Holy Spirit within you, you right? Darkness doesn't overcome light. Light overcomes darkness, so, so we've talked a lot about grace, and, and, and those are important conversations to have. Mercy that I prayed about earlier that gives us hope to carry on, helps us not to quit, helps us not to give in to the accuser of our brethren, uh, of the brethren, uh, Satan himself. But, but there's something within us that says that we have to say we are called to live in light, and, and we're, not, we're not victims of a curse. We're not victims of a generational curse. You can identify a generational curse. But once it's identified, it's, it's Jesus will conquer it. You know, I mean, just, just you know, I, I can identify, I can look back at my relatives and, and I, I know, you know, one used to have a lot of affairs, another was alcoholic, another, I mean, I can make a whole list. That doesn't mean that's what my destiny is, right? Just because there was a trend doesn't mean that I have to continue the trend. Because through Jesus, the curse is broken, 
The curse is broken. So that's, that's where we're going today. Um, so a lot of times the curse we think we're under, like the generational curse or the trinket in our room, we're actually free from. We think we're under a curse, but we're free from that curse. But the curse we have not yet identified is actually the curse that we're under. So I wanna give you from scripture, my first point. And here is something you may not know, but legalism is a curse. Legalism is a curse upon our life. And if you've ever been under legalism, you understand why. You understand that you can never get it right you can never be good enough. You follow the rules as best as you can, but once you follow the rules as best as you can, the rules change. And so Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of legalism. Galatians chapter three, we're going, we're going verse 10 through 14 today, but starting with verse 10, it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. So that's very clear. <laughs> so if you want to rely on, on your morality the fact that you're a rule keeper on your integrity to stand before Jesus, you're under a curse because there's no way you can be perfect in action and intention. This is why we need Jesus and need him as a savior because it is written. And now Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians quotes Deuteronomy 27, 26. And if you have a physical Bible or even a digital Bible, you can see that little footnote and you can find these quotes but here is his kind of paraphrase of that. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of law is cursed. And if you go back to Deuteronomy 27, you can, you can read all that. Like, you know, Deuteronomy 27 gives all of these curses. And then at the end, it says, if you don't do all of them, um, then you're under a curse. If, 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 you, if you don't do everything, you're under a curse. And the people in that day said, amen. <laughs> They're like, that is true. Amen. So this is a truth that was part of the Jewish faith and now it carries on. I mean, they knew that like without, without a Messiah, without a savior, without a scapegoat, and y'all know that a scapegoat actually existed where the sins would be placed upon this goat and they would release it in the desert because he was supposed to take the sin far away. And that just happened every, every year. Every year that was a sacrifice, but Jesus changed all of that. And and I know that we use that word casually, but he became our scapegoat in the sense that he took the punishment upon himself. So so let's talk a little bit more about legalism. So let me ask you this question. Here's a great thing that if if you encounter a rule, because some rules are really good, like the Ten Commandments are really good. That's not legalism necessarily. It's morality. But if you are given a rule, ask this question, is it, God's rule or man's rule? For some of you who have grown up in church, you don't understand maybe, especially if you grew up in church in the, until probably, probably the year 2000, maybe 95, 2000, you don't understand how legalism was so pervasive in the church that, that we had lots of rules to determine whether we were on the inside or the outside. And when you determine those rules, the question is, and, and think about this and write this down even if you're taking notes so you remember this. Are they God's rules or man's rules? Because man's rules come because of all types of different motivation. They can even start with a good heart, but they take on a life of their own. My youth group, every year we went to the beach. 
which was scandalous for our 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 church we were we were part of because you know most of we we grew up where the girls they would go to the pool at two o'clock and the guys would go to the pool at three o'clock and we kept them separate, which I'm gonna tell you just made it worse because you know, the guys, they'd be walking to the pool, you know, looking for things they wouldn't probably look for otherwise just because they're like trying to separate the guys and girls. So our church was like on the cutting edge. So we actually took the youth group to beach together. And in fact, that's what our church does here. In fact, you know that I have been part of a beach camp for, oh, let's see, for 33 years now. For 33 years, I've been part of a church that takes kids to the beach every summer. Well, so we went to this beach, and it was called, it was South Padre Island, Texas. And so we called it Camp Padre, and, and it's still, my youth pastor, old youth pastor, still does that camp. Um, he, so at Camp Padre, um, we don't need that scripture up right now, if you don't mind. Yeah, because the people on TV, you want to see my face, right? All right. I'm hidden behind all the words. So, so at, at Camp Padre, uh, we had a real move of God. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. The Holy Spirit filled us. Everything was great. So I was like seventh grade. So later on that summer, you know, I, I had me an extra 10 bucks. I went to, um, I went to Sound Warehouse, if anyone remembers Sound Warehouse, and I bought me a tape. Okay, and I, and I bought this tape. And I didn't realize how scandalous this tape would be. Because one of the things that is a good rule, but it's a man-made rule, is to only listen to Christian music. You know, and that served me well. I listened to, there was a time in my life I only listened to Christian music. And I'll, I'll tell you that even to this day, the more I listen to Christian music, just the more connected I am with Jesus. So it's a good, it's a good way to live. But it's not a legalistic rule. Well, I bought this tape. And it was a very scandalous tape. It was uh, U2's Joshua Tree tape, which may, that's not the scandalous tape. That's, my, that's part of the joke, okay? We don't have many Generation Xers here. I'm caught. So, so Joshua Tree is not a, like, doesn't have, like, bad lyrics. In fact, there's actually lyrics of faith within it. But it's not CCM. It's not contemporary Christian music. So, so I remember that I had this tape, and I had a friend in my youth group who was a little bit older than me. And she saw that tape. And she said, Aaron, where did you get that? It's like, I bought it at Sound Warehouse. And all she said was this, I can't believe you did that after Padre. In other words, after that move of God, I can't believe you did that. So I felt this burden of legalism on me in that area. It was, again, a good decision, but it was a man-made rule, not a God rule. And so... I threw away my U2 tape. Boy, that caused more pain in here than anything I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, I did regret it. But a couple of years later, CDs came out and then we were back in because that is one of the greatest albums of all time. I'm just saying. So is it man-made rules or is it God's rules? We think about this because there's a lot of flexibility in scripture about like days of the week. You know, some people still think we should only worship on Saturday. We choose to worship on Sunday because there's a biblical preference for that. A bi- biblical, um, not preference, excuse me, a biblical um, precedent. Thanks, brother, uh, for that, which is this is, the Lord, this is the Lord's resurrection day. And so we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. But some of the holy days we no longer celebrate like our church doesn't celebrate, but it would be a good thing to celebrate. 
It would be a good day to fast on the Day of Atonement. And, and I, I think that's a good thing to do. I think it's a good thing to, to observe some of the feast in Leviticus 23. And some Christians do and some Christians don't. So there, there's a lot of latitude on food and drink. And we know that. You know, for some of you, it's a sin for you to have a sip of alcohol. And you shouldn't because, because of the way your past and, and who, where you are. But if you, go, if you go and meet with European Christians, man, they're down in the wine. You know, they don't even think, they, they, you know, wine's like Coke Zero to them. So where are you going to land in the middle of that? And I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't want, it, it would grieve my heart if, if I would encourage someone to step into alcoholism. But, uh, you know, it's a good, a man-made rule is like never, 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 no one ever do it. Because it would, it would keep people from trouble, but that's not what the Lord, I mean, what do you think? Je- Jesus didn't turn the water into Welch grape juice. I'm sorry. I mean... You know, Dr. Welch invented that during Prohibition, in case you didn't know. So people could take communion. And that, that's the story of Welch's grape juice, which we'll offer in about 20 minutes. <laughs> when I first started the ministry, the church I was a part of, the, the thought of, of canceling a Sunday night service was just considered, you know, it was just considered almost like an abomination, because we went to church Sunday morning and we went to church back at Sunday night. Culture was different back then. I do miss those days, but, you know, we can't go back. Can't go back. Maybe, maybe someday we will, but I know you guys ain't coming back tonight if I have church again. The 20 of you will, but the rest of you won't. So, okay. And this thought of, like, canceling church on Easter Sunday, I was a young guy on the staff and this discussion started. The senior pastor wanted to do it, but he had trained all the other pastors to never cancel. So they were like trying to talk him out of his convictions. And I'm like sitting here thinking, man, it would be really nice to have Sunday night off. I mean, you know, for one, one week a year, wouldn't that be nice? And, and this is where Psalm 119 says that, that the precepts of the Lord make you wiser even than your counselors and your teachers. And the Lord brought, to bat, Lord brought to my memory a scripture that I just shared with the staff there. And Jesus said these words. Uh, he said, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. Wasn't that a wise word for Jesus, from Jesus? And that's what the scripture said. I, I, I shared that scripture. And then the senior pastor says, we're taking Sunday night off. Why? Because we are not people made for Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for us. And so it's not a legalistic thing, but it's an opportunity and it's a blessing. I think we ought to Sabbath more and approach our Sabbath differently and all of that. That's another sermon. But determining what is legalistic and what is not. So we go to scripture and I want to share now as we kind of get into some theology that I want you to be aware of. Because this is so strong. And this will change the way you think of Jesus and change the way you think of salvation. Here's my second point today. Jesus became a curse. And, and that is just, oh man, I mean, even saying that it's painful to say. The God of all creation actually became a curse. The reason the cross is so important is because the cross is where he became the curse. He became the curse on the, cro- on the cross. Galatians 3.13 says, as we're kind of following this passage along today, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Look at these words, becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, and this is now, you know, a quote from the book of Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy 21, 23. 
And so you can see that in your little footnotes in the scripture. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This is a foreshadowing in Deuteronomy to what happened on the cross. The Roman method of execution verified the word of the Lord. And then Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 verified what happened on the cross. Guys, Jesus became the curse for us. He became, the cross was the manifestation of the curse. And that's why the cross should be meaningful to us. And, and it reminds us, it's an empty cross because it reminds us Jesus is still not there. And so praise God for the resurrection. But there is no resurrection without the cross. That's why the cross is so important, which brings me to kind of my accompanying point to point three. It's the same point really, but it makes it even more clear. Jesus redeemed our curse. So he didn't just become a curse, he became your curse. The curse of sin that's on your life, the curse of legalism that's on your life, Jesus became that for you. Let's reread verse 13 again. Christ redeemed us, and we're going to talk about that phrase redeemed. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He bought us back. So look at that word redeemed. You see the word in the middle, the deem part means to buy. And the re means to buy back, to do it again. He bought us back from the curse. He paid the price for the curse. So, you know, in every, every metaphor, there's a breakdown here. So don't, don't think this through too hard. But I was like, Lord, what's the metaphor for this? And I thought about something that's come, come to manifestation in our life, especially with uh, three teenager young adults who drive. You know, I bought them old cars. A couple of them I bought from some of you guys out there because you know that, you know, kids are going to get in wrecks, you know, between 16 and 17. You know, I mean, Abby, she ran into a mailbox. You know, Luke, he, he backed into something. Lincoln, the list is still growing, but he's had some wrecks. <laughs> so God bless them. You know, they're responsible and they're great. But, you know, the, the, the law requires us to have insurance, to have car insurance. So when those wrecks occurred, my poor kids, I'm, I'm picking on them, but none of them are, are here at the service. So and two of them are at college. So I can tell all kinds of stories on them now. So when you wreck, you know that, that damage has occurred and you're responsible for that damage. But if you have insurance, it's already paid for. It doesn't mean you want to be reckless, but it means that like, you're not living your life in fear of a fender bender. Because once the damage is done, it has already been paid through the premiums. Now, I know you're breaking down my analogy already. You're like, but what about the deductible? And what about rising insurance? I told you that this metaphor didn't work completely, but it, 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 it got us there kind of. Think about that. Is that, that Jesus paid the curse. I mean, he paid the curse for us. And so a lot of you are really, really scared about being under a curse. I understand the laws of sowing and reaping. So sometimes we're not free from the consequences of sin, but we are absolutely free from the curse of sin. And I'm going to tell you something that if you've been involved in a sin, and I know you have, because I have too, 
and you've participated in a sin knowingly, accidentally, willfully, whatever the case is, that if you believe in Jesus and you believe in what happens at the communion table and if you believe what happens in repentance, you are free, brother. You are free, sister. You're not under a curse. You're in freedom. And that's why Jesus is so great. You know, I think about our culture. Our culture is so vindictive. You know, our culture who thinks that, our, our culture believes that they're so like on the cutting edge of thought, but they'll, they'll never forgive what a woman did 30 years ago or what a man did 40 years ago. But I, I know this because of Jesus, what happened four hours ago, four minutes ago, he says, I'm gonna throw that sin and it's gone as far as the east is from the west. You're not under a curse, you're under a blessing. So we step into the blessing. We step into transformation. We step into renewal. We step into through repentance. We step into the complete forgiveness of God. So this leads us to the last point. I like this point a lot. Number four, no curse, more Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I like that. How many of you know the blessing of walking with the Lord is his, his presence with us, his closeness. I mean, he is with us. The promise of the Spirit. I, I, will, I can't wait to meet Jesus. I can't wait to meet him. But you know, Jesus actually told us, it's gonna be better for you that I go because I'm gonna send someone, the Holy Spirit of God. Like we don't have to travel to Galilee or to Nazareth or we don't have to travel to Jerusalem to see Jesus because wherever we go, he is with us through the Holy Spirit. And in fact, there's no place we can go to get away from the presence of the Lord. So we're not under a curse that keeps us from God. We're under a blessing that keeps God with us. Verse 14 says this, the purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles. There's epiphany. That's what we're still celebrating right now. The blessing of God coming to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith from a curse, which we are. I'm gonna keep speaking that over your life. You're not cursed, you're blessed. But that blessing is manifested in the Holy Spirit of God who has been given to you as a deposit of things that are yet to come. It's a foretaste of heaven. It's an understanding of who he is now. It's a power over sin. It's a discernment when you don't know what spirit you're dealing with. It's a, it's a um, understanding and wisdom when you don't know how to, 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 to get through a situation. It's knowledge about things you shouldn't know about because the power of the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge. This is the blessing of God and it's always with us. It's always with us. That's why here in a few minutes, we're just gonna welcome the Holy Spirit to our lives. We're just gonna say, Holy Spirit, we want you. We receive you. Holy Spirit, we believe in you. Before we do, I found this scripture and it was just such a blessing because it accompanied the sermon so well. Way back, Isaiah was prophesying, you know, thousands of years, a couple of thousand years before Galatians was written. And he said this, and this just describes a lot of your lives right now. And, and you could say it, it describes maybe a lot of what we're feeling in culture. Isaiah thirty-two fourteen: for the place will be deserted, the busy city abandoned, the hill and the watchtowers will become barren places forever. The joy of the wild donkey and a pasture Four flocks. Can I just say something real quick? And you can take that off for a second because I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes. 
which our media person would have never known that. There, there, when, when, when earlier last year, I, I went to, um, I was in Arizona and I went to this place called Oatman, Arizona, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's an abandoned city from the 1800s. And there are wild donkeys there. It's crazy because they used to have donkeys that would, that would, you know, help the mines when they would go, when they were mining for gold and so forth. And then no one got rid of them and they reproduce and they just live out in the wild. Of course, they can, they can, they come into town and you can feed them. It's a tourist trap. So of course they could do that. But, but without that, they would still exist. So this is something that I've seen. Donkeys evidently live out in the wild. And usually that's not a good thing because that means people have abandoned the place. So go, go back to verse 14 of Isaiah 32. You see here, the place is deserted, the city abandoned. Um, there's wild donkeys everywhere. Some of you are like, oh, that's cool. Well, no, actually, it's not cool in this context. And so things are desolate. Now look at verse 15. This is so good. Until the Spirit... Until the spirit from on high is poured out on us. Then the desert will become an orchard and the orchard will seem like a forest. Then justice will inhabit the wilderness and righteousness will dwell in the orchard. Oh, there's such a rich language there. And this is what happens when, when they foretold the giving of the Holy Spirit, which we have right now. We have today. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to touch our lives and to, to touch our land and to touch the things we care about. And the places that we see are barren now, they're going to become fruitful again when the Holy Spirit gets involved. And the Holy Spirit's going to be with us. As we move to minister here in a few minutes, you know, I, today, when we go to time of ministry, I'm going to offer communion again here from the front. For those of you who want to be part of that, we still have the, the, the plastic communion where you can peel it off and you can go be part of that. But for those who are comfortable and want to do that, uh, Pastor Chip and I will be up here. And Pastor Chip will present to you the bread. And you can put your hands out like this. This is just really a symbol of receiving. And he'll put the bread in your palm. And then I'm going to hand you one of those small cups that we used to use. And then you can drink of that cup. Um, and so we're just going to see if anyone wants to receive communion that way today. And if there's no one, then Pastor Chip and I will serve one another. Uh, but I just felt like, like that's a step that I'm ready to take today um, because uh, I'm just not fond of the little plastic things. But some of you are. Some of you are. And so I understand that, that the Lord could still use those. Let's stand together and just be ready to receive from the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's just, just invite the Holy Spirit. Some of you, that Isaiah 32 was such a um, description of your life. Your life feels deserted. It feels like a wasteland. I just know that scripture is for someone. I, I don't even remember reading that scripture. I know I've read it before, but the Holy Spirit just made it life to me in the last 48 hours or so as I was praying for this service today. And, and, and your life just looks like it's just a desert and there's wild donkeys everywhere. And it's just, and even it says, the, the scripture said, it feels like it's going to be that way forever until the spirit. And the spirit is going to make what is desert land an orchard again. He's going to do that. And in that orchard, there's going to be justice. 
And there's going to be your righteousness and there's going to be the things of God that God has. So I want to speak hope into you. Father, I speak hope and life into those who feel like they're in the desert. It won't be this way forever. The Lord wants you to know it won't be this way forever. That the Lord, the Lord will come. The Lord, the Spirit will come upon your life. And when the Spirit comes in, takes more and more control of your life, everything will be fruitful again. It's just going to be better. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to our dry places. We invite you to our desert, Lord. I want to pray for those of you who have wrongly believed you're under a curse. That ends right now in Jesus' name. You are not cursed. You are blessed. I've said that 10 to 12 times, but I want to say it under the authority of the Lord, and I want you to receive it. You are not cursed. You are blessed through Jesus. Quit believing that bad things are going to follow you. Because the Lord says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And when you dwell in the house of the Lord, I want you to start believing that good things are coming your way because of Jesus. All of his blessing, all of his favor, his choice for your life, um, the things in your life that, that he wants, he's bringing to you. But part of it is all you see is the bad stuff because you believe you're cursed. But the Lord has said you are blessed. And whose report will you believe? Let us believe the report of the Lord. Let us believe that what the Lord has said. So, Lord, we believe this scripture. I, listen, I, I have explained to you this passage in Galatians 3. Now, I want to ask you this. Do you believe do you believe what the Lord says? Do you believe that Jesus became the curse for you? Do you believe that Jesus became the curse so you're no longer cursed? Father, we believe and we receive your word today. And we receive that we're people of the blessing. We're people that are not victims of little trinkets. We're not victims of generational curses. Lord, we're not victims, Lord, of unknowing things we've done. Lord, we're free in Jesus to be your people. We're free in Jesus to walk in your blessing. And we receive this word today that we're under the blessing of the Lord.